So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, this is God's infallible word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's as far as we'll read this morning in God's holy word. Oh, beloved, as you're here at worship this morning, you've come on another Lord's Day to another service of worship. Uh, you've lived your lives in the past week and in the intervening days. As you come here and sit this morning, what's the biggest issue that you are facing in your life today? And I'll just pause to give you some time to think, if you need time to think. If it's the biggest issue, you probably don't need any time to think about it at all, because it's always right there in your mind. What's the main concern or problem that you are challenged with today? What would you say it is? Or put it another way, what is the main prayer that has been occupying your mind and your heart recently. Now, if we took the time to talk about those questions with each other, and I hope we do, I hope we take the time to talk about questions like that with each other, we'd hear all kinds of answers. But friends, as Christians, there is really one issue, one concern, and one great prayer that should always be foremost in our experience. In the Sermon on the Mount, to disciples tempted to worry about many things, and to be anxious about tomorrow, to Christians focusing too much on the things that pass away, Jesus said, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? to disciples in circumstances in which they literally feared for their lives, 
The Lord said in Matthew 8, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And in Luke 17, when faced with a call from Jesus to be repetitively forgiving and long-suffering with others, the disciples, knowing what that really involved, cried out in prayer to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. So what's the biggest issue in our lives? Faith. What's the biggest challenge or problem we all have? Little faith. And what should be our unceasing prayer? Lord, increase our faith. And don't we see all that as we come to the next piece of the armor of God here in Ephesians 6? In addition to all this, God's word says, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We've considered the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, the marching boots of the gospel of peace. And now, Paul says, in addition, or sometimes it's translated, in all circumstances, which which is very helpful to think about, no matter what circumstances we're in, this applies. Or as some manuscripts and translations have it, above all, or most of all, take up the shield of faith. And if, in fact, it is that sense, above all, or most of all, take up the shield of faith, that thought wouldn't be out of place. Because here in the center of all the other indispensable pieces of armor is the armor that protects the whole body, the shield. It even protects the other pieces of armor. It is the central gospel blessing and gift of saving faith. Faith is central to the Christian life. You remember Paul as he writes Romans, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. We can say we live by many things. Our brother Greg knows we live by oxygen. Physically. But spiritually you live by faith. We can say we live by food or we live by this or we live as Christians by faith, says Paul. The righteous will live by faith.
as we think of the, the gospel armor, our connection to truth, the belt of truth, to righteousness, to the gospel of peace, and in coming weeks to salvation, to scripture, and to prayer, it's all grounded in Christ by faith. Faith is our connection to all these things. The Shorter Catechism gives us that succinct biblical definition of true faith because there are lots of other kinds of faith. Temporal faith, historical faith. When it says of saving faith, faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation, as he is freely offered to us in the gospel. The free gift of saving faith. Paul has already written in Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Saving faith. Receiving and resting upon Christ. You know, and as we've seen with the other pieces of armor, this piece of armor as well calls for heart searching. As Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me, will never die. Do you believe this? It's a question of faith. Do you believe this? And as Jesus was on the earth and he said that to Martha, the Holy Spirit of God by the word of God asks you that question this morning as he asks me. Do you believe this? We come again on another Lord's Day. You can come and go to church as often as you like. But here's the question. Do you believe this? Do you? That's a question I ask myself every morning when I wake up again. Matt? Do you believe this? And the answer shapes your whole day, doesn't it? When you think of the word of God and the Christ revealed in that word, do I believe this? By the gift of saving faith. Do you believe all that God has revealed in the Bible? Are you trusting in Jesus Christ? Not just believing things about him. Even the demons believe with a greater conviction than than many of us. But as the catechism says, to receive and to rest upon Christ. Not just to receive and rest a proposition of truth or a doctrine, but to receive and rest upon Jesus 
as he is revealed in the Bible. Beloved, the seed of the gospel, as the gospel is preached and taught, falls on many kinds of hearts. But true saving faith is the faith that receives and rests on Jesus as Savior and Lord. It is the good soil of a new heart, born again by the Spirit of God, that then goes on to bear good fruit, being united to Jesus, the true vine. We need to hear this question repeatedly, regularly. Do I believe? Do I believe? Examine yourself, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. And he doesn't say that because he hopes everyone will will have to say, no, I'm not. But that they would be convinced and encouraged and assured that they are. Yes, by God's grace, I am believing these things. God has given me faith. It may be mustard seed faith, but saving faith is saving faith, no matter how big it is. Some of you boys and girls here this morning, you may not know all the things that your moms or your dads or or other people know about the Bible or about Jesus, but you can know this much. I'm a sinner. And I need Jesus as my Savior. And I'm trusting in him. And you may say, that's just such little faith. But it's not the faith that saves. It's Jesus who saves. Through the instrumentality of faith. Well, it's about faith, isn't it? that Paul in Ephesians 6, 16 says two things to help us this morning. What is it like and what can it do? What is it like and what can it do? Well, what is it like? And here is this imagery of the armor. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. When the Holy Spirit through Paul wants us to think about faith, he wants us to think of it as a shield. The word here for shield originally meant a long, oblong stone that was used to close a door or an entryway. It's really related to the Greek word for door. But then because of this shape, the word became used of a special kind of shield. And one of the best examples of it is the Roman shield, the Roman scutum, it was called. Historians tell us that the scutum was a large, rectangular, or oblong, curved shield, some weighing up to 10 kilograms. Examples have been found that measure four feet by two and a half feet. It's not the little round shield that you may think of. This is a big shield. It was often made of multiple layers of wood, somehow laminated or glued together, and then covered with canvas or leather 
And at times, the leather was soaked in water before the battle. And that's important, as we'll see later on. The scutum could be held, was light enough to be held in one hand so that you could fight with the other. And its large height and width, one writer says, covered the entire soldier, making him very unlikely to get hit by anything fired at him or thrown at him or any weapon used against him in hand-to-hand combat. The ancient writer Polybius said, their arms, their armor, also give the men both protection and confidence owing to the size of the shield. The Roman writer Suetonius wrote about a centurion, a Roman soldier named Cassius Scaiva, who fought under Caesar in the battle of Dyrrhachium. This is what Suetonius said of this soldier in battle. With one eye gone, his thigh and shoulder wounded, and his shield bored through with arrows in 120 places. He continued to guard the gate of the fortress of which he was put in charge. He then boarded the ship and drove the enemy before him with the front of his shield. Just imagine that, boys and girls, this big shield covering 120 arrows lodged into the shield as he fought. But he fought on. If you're trying to think the way that we did with the breastplate of righteousness as a modern equivalent, the best equivalent is a, is a riot shield that the police would use in some situations that we're praying that we won't see on the streets of Ottawa. Uh, but that sort of big riot shield that protected and, and uh, enabled those using them uh, to do what they need to do. But this shield that Paul is talking about is a shield of faith. Do you ever think of faith in your life as a shield? You know, I could probably at this point get lots of people's attention if I started talking about a shield made from vibranium. Mind in Wakanda. And many of you know right away what I'm talking about. And you could tell me so much about that shield. So many people can be so engrossed with a comic book story and Captain America's shield and think little about this shield of faith in the armor of God. Why is faith so important here? Why is it so valuable? It's compared to a shield, but it's valuable for what it can do. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, if you grew up reading or memorizing the King James Version, you would have learned the words, all the fiery darts, right? I have to admit, growing up, when I thought of the armor of God, and I thought of the shield of faith, and what Paul goes on to say in verse 16, 
I thought of this threat in my mind's eye as I pictured the armor of God as darts that I would use in our rec room playing darts. Fiery darts, because that's the word dart that I knew about. Little darts like this. I wouldn't want to be hit by one. One of my cousins was so tough, he said, throw one at me. Throw it at my arm. We did, and it just stuck in his arm, and he pulled it out. That's not pleasant. But still, what a seriously inadequate picture of what Paul is talking about here. These darts are at least arrows, as the NIV translates. They may even be more like javelins, if you think of a javelin in the Olympics. That's what's getting thrown. And they are even more threatening because, as Paul writes, they are flaming or burning. Soldiers would often wrap some kind of material and then flammable substance at the end of an arrow or a javelin so that it would not only pierce, but then burn. It was ancient napalm. That's why shields were sometimes soaked in water. All the better, then, to extinguish flaming arrows. The devil's darts, you see, are deadly in themselves. But things in our day, like the internet, make them arrows set on fire as it were, increasing the danger and the harm exponentially. There are dangers and harms with technology today, with the internet, with all those things. I know it can be used for good. I know all those things. But the dangers are exponentially more dangerous. They just are. There's more spiritual danger in a cell phone. There's a flaming arrow than most people realize. But when you take all that intensity and danger and threat coming from the adversary of your souls, you will be all the more eager to grow in your appreciation of gospel faith you will be increasingly concerned about weak or little faith. And you'll be all the more earnest in your prayer, Lord, increase my faith. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. When Pilgrim was facing Apollyon in Pilgrim's Progress, the first thing that Apollyon used was a flaming arrow thrown at his heart. And then Christian put up the shield and blocked it, but then a arrows as thick as hail, Bunyan says, came at Christian. As thick as hail. 
Let's just take some time to think practically of what kind of flaming spears and arrows come at you as a Christian. And how faith, the shield of faith, can quench or extinguish them. You know, the whole Bible is filled with examples of this. You can go through the whole Bible and see, okay, that's a flaming arrow, and that's the way that a Christian used faith to extinguish it. But one way to answer this question or to, to go through this would be to go through a passage like Hebrews 11, where the theme explicitly is faith. And it's so helpful because don't ever forget We are not the first generation of Christians in this world. We are not the first to face the slings and arrows of the evil one. We are not the first believers to work in the world, to to raise families in the world, or to be the church in the world. The good fight of faith has been waged by the cloud of witnesses that has gone before us as they too often in much more intense ways faced Satan's burning barrage of arrows. Hebrews 11, you remember, begins now, faith is the assurance of what we hope for, the conviction of things we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. Well, we're not going to go through it verse by verse, but what are some of the flaming arrows in Hebrews 11 that you see? Well, There's the arrow of false teaching, the burning arrow of false teaching. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. And that's just one example of a teaching of the Bible, that the devil is all too happy to come to you and say, you don't really believe that, do you? And the world echoes it. When questions come to you about what you believe, how do you know what is true, especially about ultimate things and spiritual things and things unseen or unseeable and things eternal, you take up the shield of faith. I believe what God has told me and what he has spoken in his word. Let God be true and every man a liar. Or look at verse 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Do you really believe the gospel? There's a flaming arrow of doubting that God, of false teaching. Do you really believe the biblical gospel? Is Christ really the Savior and the only Savior? Is there really forgiveness even for me? Can there be a new start, a new life? Am I really accepted by God and acceptable to God if I'm trusting in Jesus? You take up the shield of faith, like Abel did. Even little faith, if it is true faith, is saving faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse 6. By faith, when Noah was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear he built an ark to save his family. And by faith, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness that is in keeping with faith. Is there really a judgment? 
Will God really make things right in this world? Will people get away with it? Will the unseen, unknown lives and actions of his people be forgotten? Those are flaming arrows from the evil one. You take up the shield of faith, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Acts 17, 31. The flaming arrows of false teaching. They are the arrows of an unknown, of the unknown in fear of the future. How crippling those firebrands can be in people's lives. By faith, Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as, in his, as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. See, the devil can turn that into it. That's what we're, you have to see it. You have to see the flaming arrow in that. Abram didn't know where he was going. And the devil comes to you and says, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen with your kids. You don't know what's going to happen in our country. You don't know what's going to happen in the church. You better start worrying about tomorrow. Don't you know all the things that can come? And the, and the arrows come thick as hail in your life. Flaming arrows. What are you going to do? You t- pick up the shield of faith. Pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Every day has enough trouble of its own. Or John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The arrows of the unknown in fear of the future. The arrows of doubt. The arrows of doubt. Will God really keep his promises? Is he trustworthy? By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. The shield of faith. Praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as he promised. Not one word has failed of all the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. 1 Kings 8, 56. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. For we walk by faith, not by sight. The arrows of doubt are extinguished by the shield of faith. How about the arrows of the fear of death? By faith, when Joseph, Joseph, when his end was near, Hebrews eleven twenty two, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Here are flaming arrows from the evil one. What is death? What happens when I die? The shield of faith, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. 
Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? It's the shield of faith. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. That's the shield of faith that puts out those arrows. And the devil knows how to use the arrows of suffering and trouble and persecution. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. Do you see the flaming arrow in that? Should I let people know that I'm a Christian? I could save myself some trouble and actually have more fun doing what lots of other kids my age are doing or want me to do. You have to see that for what it is, a flaming arrow from the evil one. I could lose my job over this. Flaming arrow. Take up the shield of faith. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. That's the shield of faith. That's the shield of faith. What a shield it is. What a shield it is. And the reason it is such a great protection is not because our faith is so powerful, but because the object of our faith is. Our shield is God himself, the triune God. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Proverbs 30, verse 5, every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts my head, Psalm 3, verse 3. Our shield is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, Psalm 84, 9. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. The shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one. Do you have faith to see it? Do you have faith to use it? Every day. The shield of faith. But you know, there's one more thing that's very important to be said. Some people over the past number of weeks have asked about this armor of God. Is this all individual armor? 
How does being in the church, how does being part of a congregation relate to this whole passage? Well, we don't see it as clearly in English, but all the verbs are plural. You all. You all do this. And here with the shield, there is a beautiful picture. Because the shield used by the Roman army was not just an individual weapon, but often used as a corporate piece of armor. Historians tell us that in the Greek battle formation known as the phalanx, the shield protected not only the warrior holding it, but also the warrior on his left. A phalanx that stayed in tight formation was well protected by the interlocking shields. And even more vividly, in Roman armies, the very shape of the shield of the scutum allowed packed formations of legionnaires to overlap their shields to provide an effective barrier against missiles. The most novel and specialized use was called the testudo. The Latin word testudo. Boys and girls, you're going to learn a Latin word today. Testudo. Do you know what it means? The tortoise. A tortoise is a big turtle. And that's how the Roman soldiers sometimes would fight. They would take their shields, join them all together, and even hold them over top. You can look it up and see a picture of it. And it was called the tortoise, the testudo. And they were, when together and working together, safe from anything that was fired at them. They held their shields around them and above them to protect them from descending arrows or objects thrown by defenders on walls. What a picture of believers together. When all are present, each doing his or her part, we are a testudo of faith and protection. Alone, we're more vulnerable. Beloved, I don't need to tell you that over the past number of years, past couple of years, the devil has used the pandemic in many ways, but one of the ways he's used it is to isolate and alienate believers from the church. You've seen it, and maybe you've wrestled with it yourself. Here's a flaming arrow. Is the church really necessary? There's a new book recently put out called Rediscover Church, Why the Body of Christ is Essential. And from the introduction, we read words like this. You may have many reasons not to go to church. Indeed, many people stopped attending during the recent pandemic, as much as one-third of churchgoers, by some estimates. You may be one of them. Now, let me say, we're not thinking here of legitimate cases where people are providentially hindered from attending. The Lord knows that. He knows your heart. But for many people, the reasons are really excuses. And commitment to the body life of the congregation has become weak. And it is an easy target for a flaming arrow. 
the introduction of the book goes on to say, simply put, without a church, a Christian is in trouble. Christians liked each other a lot more before social media. Take away the unifying experience of weekly worship together under the same roof, and the bonds of affection are frayed. You can read the rest of the book yourself. You all put on the shield of faith. You all, together. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Paul, in Romans chapter 1, I long to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. It's the shield of faith, the shields of faith coming together to protect us all from the flaming arrows of the evil one. Hebrews chapter 3, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart, faith that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. The shield of faith and that shield used together as the people of God. You know, the ancient Greek historian Plutarch tells us that before any Spartans would march off to battle, the mothers would give their warrior sons their shields. And they would say to them, Eitan, Eepitas, which means... Literally, with this shield or on it. You either come back with this shield that you fought with, or you come back laying dead on it. Beloved, we have the shield of faith, and it is by faith that we live. And it is by faith, by God's grace, that we will die. Eitan, eepitas. Because God says to his people, everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith.